guys, this is Din. And this is Rish. And welcome to Z-Talk, the Zelda Dungeon podcast. Um, so we have lots going on this month. It's a pretty packed podcast. We have some, well, it's pretty much kind of the usual stuff, which is nice once in a while. For sure. Um, just a little hint, uh... Make sure that you're listening to next month's podcast, the Halloween podcast, because... Because it's awesome in a Halloween podcast, but also... <laughs> Downed in. Also, because we have some special news coming out that you're going to want to be there for. Rish dropped the hint on the Twitter a while ago, but... Uh... I'm not going to do that again, so too bad. So make sure you tune in next month for the Halloween podcast and our couple announcements. Halloween's my favorite holiday, and it's not even a holiday. Also, uh, just a bit of a reminder about the Christmas podcast, and I guess the Halloween podcast too. If you want to be on either the Christmas or the Halloween podcast, um, you need to email or Facebook me um, at dinandrish at gmail.com, and the Facebook is, I forget... <laughs> You'll have to look at it in the uh, description. There's a link in the description. I know what the Twitter one is. <laughs> there, there, dude. Um, there, there. Um, the, like I said, the Halloween podcast is almost full, so um, if you really want to be on, you better contact me soon and contact me about the Christmas podcast if you want to be involved with that. There will be more carols. Just saying. Maybe. 100%. The Hyrule Grinch may have something to say about that. Oh, gosh. Anyway, You're um, a mean one. I already Mr. wrote... Mr. Ganondorf. I wrote, <laughs> I wrote that song already. Oh. Actually, no. Anime Bassoon wrote that song. I wrote three other ones today, though. Anyways, we better get to it. <laughs> and, uh, Din, you and I will talk about carols. What? You don't like carols? You got an issue with Christmas carols? That's not what I said. I simply said we'll talk about well, it. Well, what does that mean? Hey, all you Z-Talk and Zola Dungeon listeners, this is Hero Shaitan, and welcome back to Quickie Reminders. This month is brought to you by The Potion Shop, where you can get all your magical potions. So, um, first of all, The Legend of Zelda is now added to the Wii U Virtual Console, so that's pretty good, right? It's only $4.99, so I would recommend getting that, um, especially for you first-timers. Also, um, One Waker HD Digital is now going to be 1.6 gigabytes instead of 2.6, so yay! This is Hero Shade 10, and as always, I'll catch you later. Alright guys, so next on the... Hey Dan, do you... Is that Axel? Oh! This is this new thing we got! Yes, hang on, I gotta figure out what the button is. Uh, this one? The flashing one? Maybe. Hello? Axel? Hey, uh, hey guys, it's Axel. Dinrish, can you, can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear yeah, you. we can hear you. Where have you been? Um, I've been lost, you know, in the mountains. Um, I caught some of the transmissions be- uh, before the wolfos, like, ate my radio. Um, you said something about a two-way transmission next time, and I think that's a good idea. Honestly, I'm completely lost, and I need help. Guys, I need directions. I'm- oh, crap, I- I'll call you guys again in a while. I gotta go. Axel? Ah. Axel? Um. Axel? Okay. Hopefully we'll hear from him soon. It stopped flashing. Uh. Okay. 
Well, uh, we'll move on to our next segment, and hopefully we'll get Axel back. Rish, you sure this thing works? I... Yes, I set it up just fine. Yeah, well, I'm not so sure about that. It's set up perfectly. It's not on our end. Alright, so our next segment is by Colonel Majora, and he is here to talk to us about partners. And uh, we apologize for some of the sound difficulties we're having with this one. Uh, so we'll let Colonel take it away. Hey, how's it going, my fellow fans? Colonel Majora here for more Legendary Reflections. This is honestly my first up-to-date segment in quite a while, um, after my segments really piled up, as Din well knows. But now I'm up-to-date, and it's well-timed, with a new game to discuss. But to the point, I want to talk about something that has a million different points of view in the fandom, and that's Link's partners. I want to go over what they did really well in the past, and what they didn't do so well, and then discuss what they could do in the future. I want to—I won't go over all the games since since many have no real use of long-term partners, but I will detail my views on the big ones in the series, starting with Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask, which were the first two to have characters recognized as actual partners. Uh, they brought the fairy partner concept to the table with Navi and Tattle. This is a pretty good way of inserting a partner into the mix, since half the time they're not even on screen. They don't get in the way, and their comp but their company's apparent uh, when they appear to help with targeting and explaining and rambling at times. Uh, Tattle even stepped things up with a very apparent character development and dialogue that was not always necessary but was still welcomed, which was not always the case with Navi, of course. Wind Waker changed things a bit with bringing multiple candidates for the partner title. The King of Red Lions is the obvious companion that goes all throughout the game, but he doesn't always help you, and you often forget he talks at all. You just think, like, you forget that your boat is a sentient being at all because of the huge draw distances on the Great Sea. Uh, Medley and Makar would potentially be called partners as well as him, as they follow you through two whole dungeons. And Tetra could be considered, since she shows up so much and plays such a key role in the plot. But I can see that they really wanted the King of Red Lions to be seen as the be-all, end-all partner in the game. And if this is true, I don't know how good of a job they did. You know, in the end, I felt a real connection with the King of Hyrule, not the King of Red Lions. And yeah, they're the same person, but, you know, it just feels weird trying to level with this boat. And... It's hard to explain, but moving on. Four Swords and Four Swords Adventures did something really cool by making multiple players partners and having one player control all the four of the characters and alternatively having one player control all the characters. But I would love to see a console game of Four Swords in the future where the developers had the assets to develop each Link clone as a character. Official artwork in these games often shows each Link doing something different and acting a certain way that reflects a specific personality. Somebody by the name of Hadouken Dude, who you may have heard of from Newgrounds.com, showed this off hilariously in his popular Zelda Four Swords Misadventures series. I highly recommend this show to anyone looking for a good Zelda-related laugh. The Four Links star in the series is Adventure, and they're all different. Green Link is the heroic leader, Red is the overzealous hardhead, 
blue is the brains, and purple is the noob. The dynamic between all four of them is perfect, and Nintendo should have done this years ago. It even works just fine with voice acting, for those who, you know, want to see that in the future. Moving on to Minish Cap, there's not much to say. It was well done, but beyond Ezlo's recognizable change in attitude, the use of partners was not amazing in this one. Ezlo made me laugh, sure, but nothing huge. Twilight Princess changed things a lot with Midna. At first, I didn't like her. I really didn't. I wasn't used to having a partner always there, and it was especially annoying with someone as cynical and insulting as her. But I quickly got used to her sense of humor and mischief, and later in the game she obviously had very good development, and I think that this change in attitude towards this character was exactly what Nintendo was trying to accomplish, and they did it perfectly. She had a huge role in the story, and, and Nintendo made it so that when your partner's in danger of being lost, Link, as well as the player themselves, would get scared and play along with the dire atmosphere of those moments. Midna is still hands down my favorite partner in the series, and I think that may be a popular opinion. Phantom Hourglass had something I liked as well, with two partners that basically didn't like each other at all for 80% of the game. But by the end, Lineback, the hilarious sailor, and Sela, the series' latest fairy partner, still don't get along, but they understand each other. It really was nice to see two characters develop around each other with neither being linked. As for Spirit Tracks, Nintendo finally got around to making Zelda the partner in the game. They did it pretty well, but the actual gameplay uses for her were not hugely apparent. Still though, she had a very well-rounded personality, and as usual, Toon Zelda made me laugh every time she was meant to. So in the end, I approve. And Fee, the, uh, the difficult topic. I'm in the middle of replaying Skyward Sword as I record this, and looking back, yes, Fee is irritating, with the percentages and the obvious stating and blah blah blah, but in the end, when that music starts playing and she's gonna leave, and she explains why she has to go, I felt bad for her. You gotta think about it in context. Her dialogue was often really bad and she was honestly too robotic, but she is in the Master Sword in every game. Every timeline, every adventure, she's there. As Spirit of the Sword, she has to be there. In the end, she may just be one of my favorites, not because of her character, but because of her role in the context of the story. So that's what they have done, but in the future, Nintendo's obviously aiming to step things up, and looking at things like Hyrule Historia's concepts, and supporting characters already in past games, it's not like they're lacking in good ideas. But I like to see certain things, not just in character, but events surrounding the partners. Like plot changes, like like big ones. Plot twists are always good, like I said in one of my old segments, a partner turning out to be the bad guy, portal style, would be interesting. Even a bad guy turning good uh, and becoming a partner could be cool. Burn from Spirit Tracks could have been cooler if his change in attitude didn't last for five minutes. Um, if I've learned anything from games like Super Mario RPG and Portal 2, 
The bad guy could sometimes make for good company. Also, multiple partners are often good to have. Again, in the same old segment, I said that the last story did this multiple partner thing amazingly well, with different combos of the six set allies from the very start, but also with the occasional helper that you find and bring along along the way. There's also the concept of how partners are dispatched in the end. None of them ever seem to actually die outright. The King of Hyrule in Wind Waker kind of did, but you know, he may still be alive down there in Hyrule, so who knows. You know, death is not a necessity, but an off-screen or implied death or something like that really has a heavy impact, good or bad, that's up to the player, I guess. Midna sorta had this. Uh, I'm glad she didn't die, but you know, it was a very emotionally powerful move to make us all think Ganondorf killed her. And yeah. And of course, there's what kind of character we can expect in the future. I could see another fairy partner, or <laughs> um, or two links, one from the past, one from the future, Sonic Generations style. There was a YouTuber named Rwan Link who made, who was making an animated series based on that. I can't recall the name of it, but it'd be cool to see. Maybe you could, they could do something Paper Mario style with partners you switch out from time to time. Now, as for a link between worlds, I don't know what they're gonna do with it. If it's anything like A Link to the Past, there's no gonna be no whole game partner like Midna or Ezlo, just the occasional person to talk to. And you know, I don't like that that much, but you know, their choice. But anyway, that's all the ranting I got. So until next time, I'd love to hear from you guys. Leave your opinions on I don't know the best and worst partners and in the series and, and whatnot in the post comments, the thread, then in Rish's Twitter, fa their Facebook, or email me at colonelmajora at gmail.com. I'll read them all. And, uh, and uh, until we rant again, good day, good night, and good game. I'll see you next time. Uh, thank you so much, Colonel, for your segment on sidekicks. For anyone that remembers this, it... Think back, Super Mario RPG, replace Mario with Link and all the people from Zelda. How awesome would that be? You have Link, Zelda, Ganondorf, like, it, it would be amazing. Um, I've never played it, so I can't really um, comment on that. But for me, what's important to me in a partner is some characterization, which Midna totally had. Navi had it a little bit, but it was mostly just... Um, developing opinions of annoyance. Um, but... There is an 86% chance that you yeah. are thinking about stuff that you already know. Yeah, Phi kind of had a, a bit of an annoyance factor as well. But in terms of, like, Minna actually having character development and growing, and you grew to, you know, care about her and like her... I'm not saying Link did. I mean, you as the player. Before anybody freaks out on me. Um, and so, that's what I want to see in a Link to the Past. Good, we'll move on to our next segment. I thought you would say that part. Okay. Hey guys, and welcome back to another edition of the Mailbag. Uh, we have a few voice questions to start us off, so we'll go right into those. The first one is from... An old friend. 
Hey, you didn't rush. This is Colonel Majora. If you could see a spin-off series starring any character from the Legend of Zelda series, who would it be? Rish? Why are you asking me first? I have to think about it. Um, spin-off series? Well, there's been lots of characters that I think are really interesting that could kind of have their own story, but I wouldn't necessarily think they'd be very Zelda-y. Um, like, off the top of my head, I would say Milan from Ocarina of Time. Um, or Midna from Twilight Princess. That one would probably make the best Zelda-y game. If you were, like, playing as Midna, trying to save the Twilight Realm from And break whatever. free from the Twilight Realm. Yeah. What about you, Rish? <laughs> I know your favorite character that already has his own spin-off games. My favorite character? Who's that? Tingle! <laughs> Oh yeah, it's a, here's a game, it's called Tingle Launcher, and what you do is you have to launch Tingle at Rupees, and there just happens to be a brick wall behind uh -huh. them. Yeah. Alright, we're gonna, we go. we're gonna move on to our next question. Hey, Danish, Light Sword Man 97 here, just had a question for you. I was wondering if, your opinion on which system Twilight Princess plays better on, the GameCube or the Wii? Thanks. Bye. GameCube, but that's because they hadn't fully developed the Wii to be truly linked to his sword movements. Yeah, I 100% picked the GameCube, but that's largely my bias of you should play games on the original console they were intended for. So, um, I love the GameCube version. I personally don't like the... Tw the um, the Wii, I was going to say the Twilight Princess version. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. <laughs> the Wii version at all. So, yeah. Yeah. Now, once they came out with Skyward Sword, and that one they truly worked on the yeah. Wii controller with it, then had they had those kind of controls, maybe it would have been the Wii. Yep. For me. Alright. Yeah. Alright. Last voicemail question. Hey guys, this is N64, and I just want to know what your favorite and least favorite bosses are from Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask. Thanks! Favorite and least favorite from Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask. Okay, from Ocarina of Time, my favorite boss... Bless you. Sorry. <laughs> A little stuffy today. My favorite boss is Twin Rova. Um, and my least favorite boss is probably Goma, just because I find her boring. Um, Majora's Mask, my favorite is, um... Shoot, I've totally lost his name. The Rolly guy. Goat? Goat, and then... Um, uh, my least favorite boss is, is Got, the fish. Oh. I always get the two of them mixed up. Yeah. <laughs> How about uh, you, Rish? Favorite overall between the two games? <laughs> Let's guess. What's your guess? Bongo Bongo. Maybe. Smacked in. That's what Bongo Bongo does. And, uh, <laughs> sorry. And my least favorite? Uh, Phantom Ganon was kind of meh, I found. So, yeah. And what about Majora's? Both of my, oh. Uh, Majora's Mask. Eh, I 
don't have a huge opinion. No? No. Okay. Um, so now we'll move on to the text questions. Okay. Our first one is from David, and he says, My question is, which would you rather have, a Link to the Past remake or Majora's Mask remake? Eh. Well, we're already getting... <laughs> well, it's not a remake. I guess it's a sequel. Um... I would probably say A Link to the Past, though I'm not super into remakes in general. I would like a... Huh, excuse me. I would like a Majora's Mask 3D remake so I could take it with me. Eh, meh. But it's portable, then. I don't like portable games. <laughs> sure shit. It's okay, kids. Don't worry about Din. She's just a little tired. Um, all right. Next question, this one is from Grant, and the question is, oh, and it goes, hey, hey, Din and Rishian, used my full name. Anyways, uh, the question is, do you think that the giant tree in the middle of Faron Woods, and if I say it wrong, too bad, Faron Faron Woods in Skyward Sword is the great Deku tree. Think about it. Both are trees and are huge, and for most of the time, have a spirit living inside of them. What do you think? Um, I think that it was kind of what I would call a, an Easter eggy type link. I think it was supposed to be like, hey, look, this is future um, potential for the Deku tree. Um, so you're saying I, yes. I don't think that that tree is the Deku tree. I think that it is supposed to be a, um, a linking... It's a common ancestor. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't gonna go biology on you there, but, um, most primitive plants were huge. Like, massive trees. And so, in terms of Skyward Sword being set a hundred years in the past, I would say that it's more a biology thing, but yes. Okay. <laughs> this question's also from Grant. Do you think that the wind fish from Link's Awakening is Leviathan from Skyward Sword? Or Levias? Levias. Leviathan was the actual mythical creature. Yeah. Sorry. Um, the wind fish? Leviathan. Maybe. No. Again, I think it's it's like, you take two games, and you're like, hey, I want to kind of relate to that game without locking myself into the lore, and it has to be this way. That's what I think both of those examples are. Do you know what I mean? It's like, hey, we're relating to this without having to have... It has to be this way. Do you know what I mean? That was a really bad answer, but... Do you know what I'm trying to say? Herm to herm to herm. Yes. Okay. That made sense. Okay, let's do a couple Anyways, more. We'll get a couple more in. Do we have time for a couple more? Quick. Okay, super quick. Uh, this one is from Mitch. He had a bunch of stuff for us, and then he said, If Nintendo made a game explaining the origin story of Termina and the fierce deity taking place before Majora's Mask, do you think you would enjoy such a game? Uh, for me, I'm going to have to pass on that. I don't think I would enjoy that as much. I would play it. I think it would be interesting uh, to learn, but um, you got to be careful with too much of a good thing. 
All right. And our last question is from Robo Crobat. <laughs> I like <Yeah>. that name. <laughs> and the question is, I was wondering, we know your favorite Zelda games, but what are your least favorite Zelda games not including the CDIs, Fail Tingle games, or any other spin-offs? That's a question we actually don't get that often. That's funny. Um, everybody asks what the favorite is, not what the least favorite is. Um, in truth, I really don't like a lot of the original games. Sorry, Rish. Unacceptable. Um, I think it's the the 8-bit, 16-bit that bothers me a little bit too much for me to enjoy it. Um, so I'm going to go with, like, probably... Zelda 2 would be my least favorite. Zelda 2, you mean the side-scrolling? Yeah. Yeah. I am inclined to agree with you on that one. That was a trial-and-error moment for Nintendo. But, I mean, they had success with Mario and the side-scrolling, right? Right. So, I think it made sense that they did that. But it was a hard game, and I don't. I, I was not immersed... Like I am with the 3D games. I also think the lack of direction was yeah. one of their biggest uh, issues that they had with the game. Anyways, that's all we have time for, so we better get back to the podcast. Alright, we'll move on to our next segment. Music, but 
but I guess it's just pretty far, far away, so that's probably why. Uh, all right, thanks. Uh, so I actually am here to talk about something. I'm going to talk about exploration and navigation in Zelda games. Navigation? Just walking around, you might be asking. Well, no, not exactly. Zelda's an adventure series, right? So the, be- the big point of the game is uh, adventure. We're exploring and having an epic quest filled with amazing sights, perilous traps and enemies, and on, on our way to, to, to do or find something big. The places we go is a big part of any Zelda game. Um, I've talked a, about this a lot before, but it's a subject that's always worth visiting because even though some of the recent games have been pretty linear and focused on basically going from point A to point B through a main story, the series started off as an adventure game that stuck you blind in an overworld and asked you to find a bunch of tripods. And every game since had a large amount of exploration as well for the longest time. And even those linear plot-centric modern titles still ask you to run through overworlds, find some secrets, and explore and solve puzzles and dungeons. And this is a long-winded way of saying and justifying the conclusion that, well, navigation is a big part of Zelda. Uh, Within the dungeons and outside of them as well. Within the dungeons and outside of them as well. um, We've gotten uh, a bit away from the really nitty-gritty exploration-focused Zelda games. And I'd love to go back to that. Think of it this way. which is What is funner? Following a set of story events in some towns broken up by some flat plains, straight paths, and a linear dungeon? Or accomplishing major tasks in a viable order and going at the game in a manner that emphasizes the world itself? That's one thing I miss in modern Zelda. Focusing my attention on the world itself and just trying to explore fine things. Exploration-focused games are super fun because the world stops being nothing more than a platform for the story and combat, and instead a big deal, a huge place that in itself is the gameplay. You're meant to explore it, see cool sites, uh, find secrets, chart a path toward your next objective. Um, guys, are you sure I'm just supposed to be following these sounds or music? I feel like I'm going in circles, and I don't know if I'm really finding my way out of here. Uh well, that's kind of the general consensus, unless you want to actually take my advice over Rish's and do the pathway. Or just follow my advice, go straight I'll, and I'll, get I'll, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just keep following the music. Um, well, well, you know, let me just make some comparisons here. It might seem like an odd example, since most people think of it as a combat-focused Zelda clone, and it definitely is that, but... Darksiders 2 is also an awesome exploration game. There are tons of collectibles and a, and a lot of optional nooks and crannies in the overworld. When I played that game, a massive part of the experience was just the constant collecting of things. I felt so satisfied entering these sweeping, beautiful areas and looking for all these little items. And One part of that is the abundance of collectibles, but the other part is actually just the environment themselves. Oh, some of them are still just corridors or flat plains, but there are more intricate areas strewn about in there, and they're all super beautiful. It's a visual feast, both because of the HD graphics, but also because of just the concept of them. Beautiful wilderness, beautiful architecture, and other awesome touches like lit candles in a tomb, or even just the music itself. Um, I don't mean to turn this into Praise Darksiders, the podcast segment, though. I'm, I'm just saying intricate areas that are conceptually and visually great to look at, and uh, filled with tons of items to find, puzzles to solve, and enemies to fight, make for an awesome overworld. It's about making the environments neat enough to want to check out just in and of themselves, as well as making them intricate and involving from the gameplay side. This applies to the overworld environments, which should be cool that first time you visit them, and also hold many secrets to find after a careful search, as well as dungeons, which need to have intricate design and great challenges not only in combat puzzle solving, but navigation too. And that's another thing that's important in Zelda in my book. Just the navigation itself. Not just the exploring of the environments, but how you explore them. Messing with the tools you use for navigation is great fun. 
Some of my favorite moments in Zelda are the ones where you can use new tools to approach your environment in different ways. Of course, that's a basic part of Zelda, right? Use items to clear paths. Sure, but in the majority of games, all you do is effectively clear a barrier or jump a gap. I'd love to see more items that really change the way you even approach a given environment. For example, that's why I always want a Zelda game with a lot of pitch black environments requiring the lantern or something like that. It changes basic exploration by changing how you navigate a room. Doing this with a very involving grappling hook or a flight slash jumping device like we saw in the Minish Cap is a good example too. I also love the moments that, even if briefly, throw something very unique in terms of navigation. I've mentioned before how Snow Peak Ruins and Violet Princess has a buried key that's very difficult to know where to find without using the compass to spot the location of the chest. Or how about in Skyward Sword, where in the Lanayru Desert area and Lanayru Mining Facility Dungeons, you not only need to learn how to navigate via time shift stone, but you also use your map and beacons and can pl- beacons you can place to locate ancient pathways that have since been buried under the quicksand, just to chart a usable path. These are moments that make exploration and travel not only involving, but really immersive and in a way technical. It gives you a feeling of actually being an explorer, charting this course and trying to figure out how to even tackle the landscape ahead of I'd love to see Zelda games emphasize methods like this, perhaps finding add-ons or charts that complete your map, unveiling secret passages and treasures, or tools we need to use a lot need to use a lot to navigate our surroundings. This is an awesome concept. Maybe it sounds weird for me to praise the idea of something like this when I dislike the Wind Waker doing it with its great sea, but that's an argument all its own. Bottom line is Realistic and immersive navigation like this is fine as long as it involves the player. If we have means of navigating the environment that make the player, that make the player feel clever, or like they've solved something, that elusive aha moment, then it's a good thing to have. The good news is, honestly, it sounds like all of these things uh, have a fair shot, if nothing more, of making it into Zelda Wii U. I mean, the obvious thing is the, you know, the HD graphics means HD beautiful environments, but also, like, Nintendo wants to make a non-linear Zelda game, even one without much of a focus on, on a story of Aonuma as he believes, although I will always maintain that clever writing allows a great story even in a non-linear game. Uh, so that's already a point towards this kind of thing showing up in Zelda games since they've stated that. They've also said that they tried to do this with Skyward Sword. They just failed at making it non-linear. And Skyward Sword, for all of its problems, did have some fun exploration. The navigational quirks of the Earth Temple's rolling boulder, the mining facility, and the Sandship's time shift stones, and the Sky Keep's epic room puzzle are all very memorable, and the few open stretches like locating kiwis in far-on woods or navigation moments like those carry pathways in the Lanayer Desert were awesome, too. And a number of Zelda's recent releases, like Phantom Hourglass with its drawable maps and universal notes, and Skyward Sword with its aforementioned points, as well as looking for goddess cubes and chests, and of course, the Wind Waker HD with the sailing and charts, all of these make uh, use of cool navigational challenges. I think we have a good shot of seeing this in the next Zelda game on the Wii U. Here's hoping, right? So yeah, that's about all I have to say about exploration navigation. Um, hey guys, um, are you sure you're using the right guide? I think I'm back in Death Mountain, and I really don't think this is music. It sounds like... Oh god, it's not music, it's some kind of monster. I don't know how close it is, but it sounds like Lionel. Um, guys, seriously, what guide did you use? Didn't what uh, guide did you a use? A Lionel? Lionels aren't in Ocarina of Time. Din, which guide were you reading? You were reading Ocarina of Time, right? Yeah. If you hear a Lionel... Wait, then are you in the original that's... Legend of Zelda? Uh, 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 uh! Axel, there's tons of Lionels everywhere! Guys, go to- uh, Axel!
what's left of him. Well, we don't need him to be lost for another half a year. If I'd have known he was lost, we would have sent somebody to go look for him. This two-way radio thing was a good idea, sort of, but we still can't help him when he gets attacked. Well, we know kind of where he is. He must be in the original. Well, he so... said he was near Death Mountain, so... Yeah, you better go get him. Okay. I'm going. Uh, in the meantime, we'll move on to our next segment. question of the month. This month, I'm in the Happy Mask Shop, and I have found Axel the Beast, Tattletales, Colonel Majora, Athenian 200, and Anomaly. How are you guys? I'm fantastic because I just got a bunny hood! I'm doing pretty good, um, these masks look really interesting. Especially a guy, a guy at the counter keeps smiling at me. I like it. How can this guy charge so much for the freaking skull mask? It can't be that hard to make. I mean, 20 rupees? It's completely outrageous. Yes, it's much cheaper to get those your skull in the mask. Okay, well, since I found you all, I'm going to ask you a community question of the month. Um, this month, my question is, what is a very popular character in the Zelda series that you dislike? <laughs> Tingle. No. <laughs> no. No. Unacceptable. Okay. That's amazing. Shut up. <laughs> okay, uh, so I'm I think... Gonna, I'm going to give a controversial answer. Um, Link. Not that I don't like him, but I think a lot of people make a bigger deal out of him than he is. He's kind of a broccoli. I mean, obviously they gave him his own personality, but he kind of doesn't do much with it. Yes. And then, were you done what you were going to say about Link? Yeah, I was pretty much done. Yeah. Okay, so then everybody else who hasn't answered, you just go I now. I didn't get the answer. Just um, go now. Well, I was thinking of um, Midna, actually. I was joking about Tingle. I was going to say Girahim. Oh, wait, no, I got a new one. I'm good. The trouble is, Colonel or Axel, who was just creeping over Girahim? Girahim um, does... Girahim does creep me right out. But like, I seriously and, like, thought they were going to make the game end because of him. Just what? saying. Well, the trouble is, every all the really popular characters are all the really awesome ones. Like, I was I was actually going to say Cruz at one point because... No! They, you can't they, say Cruz! They did it. Controversy. 
<laughs> so did everybody get to answer? I didn't, I didn't, I didn't. Okay, Tattle, go ahead. Okay, um, I was gonna say, okay, I was gonna say but then he got stolen, and my other answer, I can't really say because he's standing right behind the counter. The happy mouse. Game Show, where two contestants are asked ten questions from three different categories. The Legend of Zelda, where they must show their knowledge of the games in the series. Z-Tunes, where they must name the title of a song and what game the song is from. And Zelda Dungeon, where they show their knowledge of our website. Legend of Zelda and Zelda Dungeon questions are worth one point each. Z-Tunes questions are worth two points, one for the correct title and one for the correct game. Contestants have 10 seconds to buzz in, and 10 seconds after buzzing to answer a question correctly. If a contestant buzzes before the question has been read in its entirety, the remainder of the question will not be read. If a contestant buzzes in and hesitates for more than the 10 seconds, or gives a wrong answer, his or her opponent may steal a chance at the question. At this time, the question may be re-read. All questions and answers are created from Zelda Dungeon's web pages. The winner of the game becomes a champion and moves on to the next round to challenge a new opponent. After winning five rounds, the champion will face off with our very own Axel the Beast. If Axel wins, the champion is eliminated and the next two contestants will begin a new round of quizzes. However, if the champion is victorious, they will continue their reign. Anyone can be a contestant on the Keaton Quiz by signing up on the forums, but all applicants should note that cheating of any kind is grounds for disqualification. Good luck to all of our contestants. 
Alright, and welcome back to the Keaton Quiz. Our challenger for this time is Marcus Gop. Hello, Marcus Gop. How are you? Alright, right here. Alright, and can I hear your buzzer sound, please? Alright, let's see this. Oh, pretty cool. Pretty cool. And our reigning champion, one shy from facing off against Axel the Beast. It's Crazy for Crash. Hello, Crazy. Hi there. All right, and can we hear your buzzer sound, please? Oh, a classic that we've all heard quite a bit lately. That winner of buzzer sound that's so quick that it beat Tattle. All right, are you both ready to go? I am ready to go. Yep, let's get to it. Yeah, this is where uh, your streak ends, because I am extremely cocky when it comes to this kind of stuff, so, (laughs) you know. Well, I'll keep it in mind. I'm not the most modest person around, but, yes. That's a darn lie. You've been nothing but modest. (laughs) Well, let's see if modesty... Okay, I'm modest. Let's see if modesty can overtake cockiness. We'll see how it goes. Here we go. Alright. Question number one. Category, The Legend of Zelda. What are the two major differences between the original Ocarina of Time Master Quest and the 3D Master Quest? Crazy. Ocarina of Time 3D Master Quest is mirrored, and the enemies do double damage. Yeah. That is correct. We would have also accepted... That it's in 3D. Go figure. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> if the All game right. could, cube could do it in 3D, I would be quite impressed. I know. No, wait. That was like in the, like, like something they were going to do, I think. Oh, I think I remember reading something about like that. Like Mansion in 3D. Uh-huh. Okay, well, <laughs> question number two. Category, Zelda Dungeon. Well, you're, yeah, yeah, uh, you got this, so. Name four Hylian nobles. Crazy. Um, there's Marcy's, Disappearing Mist, Basement 24, I think his name is, and Claire. Yeah. Ding! That is correct. Sorry, I had to reconfirm. I'm reading (laughs) through the list and there's so many names there. Yeah. There's like... Oh, there's Claire. I yeah, see it Claire's now. Up here. Yep. Yeah, uh, I was looking like at the bottom row. Of them and I couldn't think of any of this. Okay, question number three. Category: The Legend of Zelda. How many Gorons appear in Skyward Sword? Oh, that was Markuskop first. Let's see. Three. That is correct. For one point, the score is now two for Crazy and one for Marcus Gop. Heading into question number four. Question number four. Category, Z-Tunes. Name the title of this song. Marcus Gop. Uh, let's see. It was... Uh, the name of the song. Let's see. I, it was... Played by that that ghost guy in Majora's Mask. Thing. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I can't remember his name, but like, you're out of time. Crazy! Can you give us the title of the song? 
Is his name Kamara? Kamara's song in Majora's Mask? That'd be good for two! That is correct. Okay. Heading into question number five. Question number... Okay. Question number five. Category, The Legend of Zelda. Courage gems restore what in Phantom Hourglass? I haven't played the DS title, so... <laughs> I forget. Anyone? Anybody? Anyone? Yeah. Title, so. Oh, crazy buzzed. I heard it. Um, Phantom Hourglass. I remember Courage Gems. Get 20 of them and you... They upgrade your sword? They... <laughs> no. <laughs> no. That is incorrect. Uh, Marcus Cop, did you just want to try? Do you want to steal? Anything? No, I, I have not played the DS titles, period. Okay. So, like, the correct Mine is five points for not playing the DS titles. No, I'm kidding. The DS, that's why. Uh, courage gems restore the power of Celia. Is that how I say that, Yeah, Din? Celia. In Phantom Hourglass. The fairy. There you go. So, headed into question number six. Question number six. Category, Zelda Dungeon. What color are the forum names of article writers on the forum? Yeah! Crazy. They are yellow or gold, I'm sure they prefer it. <laughs> that is correct. Both answers there. Some people do prefer gold over yellow, but yes, it's both a yellowy color. Not so, the any names of people who insist to be called gold. <laughs> <laughs> the score currently is Crazy for Crash 5. Marcus Scop, you're at one, but you still have time to pick it up. Because we're heading into question number seven. Question number seven. Category, Z-Tunes. Name the title of this song. Yeah! Marcus Scott was first. Uh, it was, it's, the mini, it's the second mini-boss battle of Skyward Sword. Can, Can you, you be, be more, more specific? specific? Against a Lizalfos. There it is. That is correct for two. He's catching uh, up. He's coming back. I the answer. Coming up on question number eight. Question number eight. Category, The Legend of Zelda. In the adventure of Link, what useful ability can the fairy spell give you in a dungeon? <laughs> Crazy. It'll let you go up enormous cliffs. Like, it lets you jump up areas you can't usually reach and it's hard to explain you you turn into a fairy and you can go up the big cliffs that you can't jump or do anything else what else can you do you, oh, it lets you avoid enemies you can fly above enemies <laughs> okay, no, okay, give no. okay i'm gonna let marcus gob try to steal that um marcus gob can you give me the correct answer let's see i just know you can pretty much go anywhere with it. wait I'm not sure if it does something specific. I haven't played the game in a while, so... I'm just going to say, let's go anywhere. Oh, that was weird. Okay. Anyways, you you are yeah. both close. The official Zelda Dungeon answer <laughs> is that it allows you to fly through locked doors. Oh. I never did that. I never did that either. I feel like a sucker. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. We all just learned something here on uh, the Keaton Quiz. Yay. Oh, great. 
Okay. Question number nine. Category Z Tunes. Name the title of this song. Marcus Scott. Hamar uh, King from Wind Waker. Okay. Oh gosh. We're all that tied is up. correct. Oh, and we're in a tie heading into question ten. Who's going to take it? We're going to see. Here it comes down to it. Question number ten. Category The Legend of Zelda. How do you obtain the razor sword in Majora's Mask? <laughs> Crazy. You have to take the gold dust to the smithy in the mountains. In the first day, and give the gold. Wait, the razor sword is a second sword. So you, you forge the Kiri sword with gold dust. You're incorrect. Marcus Scott, can you spew steel? I skipped the razor sword part, so. Uh. Okay, you take it to the to the blacksmith, and then he works on it for, uh, for for the days. I'm not, I'm not. No, that's that also incorrect. incorrect. The yeah. correct answer is you need 100 rupees, and you need to melt the furnace so that they can actually do it. The, gil oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. the gilded sword just, is the one you take with the gold dust. Yeah. Right to the gilded sword. So guess oh, what? <laughs> oh, tiebreaker <laughs> question! I love these. I love these because they're all about me. Well, I guess in Din 2. Hey, man. But mostly about me. No, not really. Okay, well. Tiebreaker question. Here we go. Oh, hang on, give me a sec. So, tiebreakers. How these work, for anyone who hasn't listened to a quiz that had tiebreaker before. In the event of a tie, contestants will be asked a series of consecutive, fast-paced questions about Din and Rish. The first correct answer wins the game. Contestants must still buzz in to answer but there are no steals in this round. Do you have any questions? No. Nah. Okay. Here we go. Dun, 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 tiebreaker. Anyways, Kay. sorry. <laughs> Here we go. What two subjects does Din want to teach? Yeah! Crazy. Uh, psychology and chemistry. <laughs> what grade level does Rishian teach? teacher. Uh, However, yes. Yeah, you're right. Yes, so. I, I most recently taught grade six, so <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. Is that on the staff page, the grade six? I, I don't do think it's on the staff grade? page. I don't know. Do you call it sixth grade or grade six? Either uh, one. Either one. Well, either or. It's kind of no, a toss-up. It's the same thing, but different places call it different things, and it bothers me. It's the same general concept, dude. So let Crazy. him talk about me teaching grade six. It's all good. <laughs> Crazy keeps his throne. Yeah. How do you Not feel, Crazy? A sore throat, and I wish I drank more water. Like, yes, that feels good. Excellent. awaits me, and I don't look forward to that. Are and you, you nervous? I'm nervous right now. <laughs> you know what, though? I, I've got to say, Marcus Gop, you gave him a really solid run for his money. I think I that's the... I'm shaking, mate. Good, good job, mate. Good job, mate. That's you the closest job, fight we've had. He said, crazy. mate! 
I know. <laughs> you said sorry not ten minutes ago. I'm I'm I'm, I'm perfectly perfectly fine yes. with my um, cultural stereotypes. A. <laughs> we don't actually say. A I legitimately here. do. Wait, I don't. I, well, I say mate a lot, so I don't care if you there. say A. Or ha. Okay. Anyway, well, anyway. that's all the time we have. So we'll say goodbye and congratulations to Crazy and thanks for coming out, Marcus Scott. Sure thing. Ah, well, we all stuff. Bye. Bye. Thanks, guys. See ya. Later's. Alright, that's all we have time for this time on Z-Talk. Thanks for tuning in and downloading us and such. Be sure you tell us what you think of the podcast um, in the comment section below on the Zelda Dungeon main page or in the forum uh, thread for this podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook. I feel like all we do is plug ourselves now. <laughs> Hey, I'm not plugging anything other than make sure that you guys continue to send in voice and text mail questions for the mailbag. It's getting pretty empty. It's getting pretty light. So I want some new stuff coming in. Sign up for that Keaton quiz. There is also a thread in the community forum on the Zelda Dungeon page. And if you want to be on the podcast, you are more than welcome to make a segment. Again, you can get in touch with us by email at dinandrish at gmail.com. Alright, so that's about it, Din. This was Din. And this was Rish. And this was Z-Talk, the Zelda Dungeon Podcast. Thanks for listening. Not because of her character, but because of her role... But because of her role in... But because of her role in the... What is wrong with me? <laughs> role. All together now. Roll. <laughs> We are recording. Right. Oh, hang on. No, wait. <laughs> no, we aren't recording. We're recording now. The mic is turned up. <laughs> oh, legit. I see how it is. Go for it. You guys have to open. Okay, hang on. Sorry. <laughs> I need to get back to the right page. Okay. Damn it, <laughs> Um, we're gonna get a transmission. We need a transmission sound. <laughs> I can work in the sound effects later. I'll probably do my, like, standard footsteps intro or something, you know? Yeah. Okay. Whatever. We'll look up beeping sound or something. You, you want to start, Din, or Yeah, I, just give me a sec. I'm formulating. <laughs> uh, remember what happened last time you chinsed me on formulating thoughts? I gave you three words, and then I expected you to jump in. You got mad. <laughs> I've got it. I can start it. I can do whatever you want. Okay, then you start. That would be your cue. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you're not telling me that you're recording or anything. I've been, reco like, I've been recording. She was recording a while ago. I've been recording. I'm like, okay. We're recording this entire debate. <laughs>